0: In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you because your word is making your will natural to us. We give you thanks, Lord, for it in the name of Jesus. And let's declare the word of understanding. Let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in the knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you believe that, say another amen. Amen. Yeah, give me another amen. I like that. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Understanding is your portion in the name of Jesus. I say wisdom, insight, knowledge, skill. You know, that's what the the angel said said to Daniel. I've come to give you skill and understanding. So I declare to you that skill and understanding is yours in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Skill and understanding, these are yours in the name of Jesus. You will bear fruit in every good work. And you will increase in the knowledge of God. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. All right, let's take our seats while we greet somebody on our left and our right. Tell the person, you're blessed. You're blessed. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I us to our Bibles again. It's our school of prayer. What we do in this school of prayer is to learn how to pray. I was discussing with my wife um, a few days ago. My wife and I were discussing, and I compared to the fact that you know, I was not around on Saturday. I was in Worry, all right, we had where well, I was a minister at the, uh, the Timothy Conference, organized by Apostle Max. <laughs> uh, Timothy is um, Paul's young pastor, so it's a young minister's conference, all right? Three of us ministered. So, usually after each session of teaching, uh, Apostle Max will come up and lead prayer, and I was noting the prayers that he was leading. And I noticed the kind of prayers that we pray here. That's what my wife and I were discussing about two days ago. And I put everything together. I said, now wow. We pray differently. I noticed the man he will lead prayer. Young people come and pray, that's young ministers. Now it's things like Lord, I must not miss your will for my life. You will pray this afternoon, after hearing that word, that God restrain me. When I want to go on the path that I'm not supposed to go on, Lord, restrain me. And people will be praying. I said, "Now, wow, Now not getting me for here." So, village demons are not pursuing the people in this place. Only the will of God is their problem. I said, "This is why the will of God truly." All the prayers, Lord, today you pray. Because I taught on motives in ministry. That was the first thing I taught on. First motives, and then what's the second thing? I thought on two things, motives and (laughs) what? Anyway, the first thing I thought was on motives. After that, you say, now you say to God, examine me. Check my heart. What are the motives that I'm using for what I'm doing? What is motivating me, Lord? Purge me. Cleanse my heart. Let it be made bare before you that I may... ah -ah." I noted the prayers. I said, I think we should recruit all MFM pastors and say, come to Kingdom World School of Prayer and come for Timothy Conference. But I noticed that there was no power fighting our destiny. We did not have to die by fire. Before I get to my message today, I'm just talking generally. Why we do a school, uh, school of prayer is that people need to learn how to pray properly. Prayer is important. The Lord wants us to pray about the things that he wants to do. And he wants, to, wants us to pray prayers that he can answer. He doesn't join you in killing your neighbor. He doesn't join you in firing arrows at the people that don't like you in the office. I need you to open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. Before I go into my message for today. Go to Romans chapter 12 quickly. I want us to read down... Just one line. Everybody, you are going to read verse 14 loud enough for two people on your left, two on your right, and one, uh, two in front of you and one behind you to be able to hear you. Two on your left, two on your right, two in front of you, and one behind you in whichever version you have. Even if you came with an Igbo Bible, it is okay. <laughs> are you getting my point? You are reading verse 14. Romans chapter 12. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Whatever version. I will reduce my voice a bit so I don't drown your voice away in the microphone. 1, 2, let's go. Bless, Bless those who persecute you. you. Bless and do not curse. When the word of God repeats something, it's crucial. He said, Bless, and it's a commandment, it's not a piece of advice. Once you identify that your mother in law is a problem in your family, she's the one persecuting you, you have a new job. And what is that job? Bless. bless. And Paul now said, Wait, I said, Bless. Abby? And you forgot the other part. I also said, do not curse. Honestly, I've told you, all those enemy prayers you've been praying. You will soon fall sick. You have two kidneys. One kidney starts getting tired. They've been injuring that one in battle. You know Muhammad Ali? As an older man, a, he, he, he became very slow. He began to get slow in his uh, 40s. He had begun to get slow. Too much bashing in the head. I thought I, 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 the other day I stole some of his quotes. There was one he said, in which he acknowledged that he had become slow. And he said, if you have taken the amount of beating I have taken, you too you will be slow. He said it. Many Christians are becoming slow. You know why? They are in too many boxing fights. Instead of them to ascend sent to the secret places of the Most High, and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They are there fighting all the time. They are bleeding internally. They win some battles, they think. Say, my neighbor died after one serious all night. But the neighbor injured them before he died. And after a while, they become spiritually slow. Parkinson's disease. When you say, talk, they've been fighting for a long time. The Bible said, bless. Do not curse. That's what he says. It's an instruction. All those pastors near you, tell them it's unnecessary. I told you, my friend got into one of those fights. You know why? You know, you know, he said, ah, but God is powerful. It's true, but he doesn't join the fight. You are doing it by yourself. My friend fought all the devils from Enugu to Onicha. Three hours or six hours. Can't remember the exact time. I told you first and foremost, I said, that pastor is really jobless. I don't know why I will pray on one person's business for six hours. You want to die for the whole world? Now you call me to ministry. I will spend six hours on only your own problems. Anyway, they prayed. I don't know whether it was three or six hours. He said they broke the road down from Enugu to Onicha. They took it from Enugu to Ninth Mile. I'm serious. Every devil, every witch, every blood-sucking spirit, i read this. Then from 90 mile, No, Ojiriva, too far. <laughs> <laughs> to Ezeagu, thank you. From Ezeagu to Ojiriva. Ojiriva, they might to get to Oka. Oka, to Amorbia. <laughs> from Amobia. They kept on going until finally they got to toll to Gate. Then they paid toll. And they continued the fight until they reached the a nature market. Because that's where he used to go and do business. Wow. I looked at him and said, man of God, you did that? said, my brother, I joined them pray. He after that, eh, I sick. I almost die. Jeez. My wife and I were with him that day, I laughed. He said, I was so sick, banky, I thought I was going to die. I was laughing. I, la- I laughed loud. I said, Fela was very prophetic in your case. You know Anikulak Kuti? Fela said, trouble sleep. Younger go wake (laughs) up. I said, that's what happened to you. You were fighting battles that were not your own. I said, that's how God left you. Say, fight. That's how it is to fight demons that Jesus has conquered. That's how it is to create your own enemies. So that same road, I pass it all the time with one scripture. The Lord is with me in my going out and in my coming in. That is all. And like I always say, don't ever forget, blood sucking spirits, they have respect too. They know their level. According to Godons, they even carry blood testing kits. (laughs) Lest you suck the blood, that will kill you. They don't even need the kit actually. Once they look at you, the color of your blood radiates through your skin. I dare anyone that can suck my blood. Come now, you're not hungry. True believers who don't have time for such rubbish prayers. I'm all I've done. serious. I just I wasn't worried. Pastor Max was leading prayers. Ah, I was noting it. Last Tuesday here too, I was listening to Pastor Game the lead prayers. I was noting it. I said, people of God, this is how to pray. Today again, we're praying, nobody remember the enemies that are fighting you. We are automatic victors. Are you getting my point? We are more than conquerors. That's it. don't have time for any rubbish battle. I hear altar versus altar. Have you heard that before? I don't know the meaning, no. I'm sorry, oh. This man doesn't know the meaning, but I can tell you one thing for sure. Nine times out of ten, those posters you see, The man telling you, altar versus altar is not born again. I hope you know that. I'm not joking. I see the billboards in town. One day I stopped to photograph one. Still have it on my phone. I was driving past. I saw the big sign. I parked. Wound down in front of the church. Looked to the left, looked to the right. Make sure nobody was looking. Before the church people come and physically attack me. I quickly took a picture of the funny poster they had there and ran away all so those koboku nights <laughs> and who, I wonder who you want to flog the whole night ask yourself some questions this way by which I am praying when did Jesus pray like that when did Paul pray like that when did the church in the book of Acts when did they pray like that when did John teach me to pray like that when did Jesus ever teach me to pray like that that's why we do this school of prayer all the time We do it all the time so that we'll know the important way to pray. The kind of prayer that God will answer. Our prayer is to walk with God. Our prayer is to walk to work for Him. To make sure everything we are doing is exactly how He wants it done. So that He can release His power. That's what is called grace. Grace is divine ability that God gives to the person who is following His will. Do you get what I'm saying? The divine ability he gives to the person that is doing his will. That's what grace is. So if we want grace in our lives, we just make sure we are walking according to that will of his. That's what grace is. Alright, the Lord is good. So as a school of prayer, let's continue what we are talking about. The prayer warrior. Let's take the text of scripture we used last time. Uh, the book of James chapter 5. We are talking about the prayer warrior. I want us to bear in mind that it's not just the words we use in prayer, but the person who is praying that's most important. God doesn't listen to everybody equally. That thing is not true that he does. We have established again and again when the Bible says that God is no respect of persons, it was talking about physical traits. It was saying that if God wants to bless people, he won't say, who is it that is best edu- educated? Who has UK and US citizenship side by side? He doesn't check that. He doesn't check the most handsome. He doesn't check the best dressed. He doesn't check the richest. He doesn't do that. He doesn't check the most educated. All those things with him, they are zero. But when he listens to people, spiritually, he respects people. We have established it. We read from Isaiah 66. He said, to this one I will look. I don't look to all of them. The one that is humble, contrite of spirit, who trembles at my word. I listen to that one specially. The eye of the Lord runs to and fro the whole earth, looking for a kind of person. The one whose heart is completely yielded to him. The one whose heart is completely his. I hope you are getting the point. Uh So he, he listens to that person before he listens to another person. We know that he told Jeremiah clearly. I respect the prayer of Moses. I respect the prayer of Samuel. But in this situation, their prayers will not even work. He made that clear. We know that Daniel used to cause heaven to, in quote, now stand still. Daniel was respected. The angel told him three times that you are a man of high esteem or you are highly esteemed. He let Daniel know. He said, I have come because of you. Because you were the one that I asked. I have come to give you consolation. We have been looking at that. And we we'll look at the man Elijah. That's what we are taking um, the text about now. Let's read from verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to so sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him. Anointing... Him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. He said the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I like, okay, then let me just read the rest of it. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for the, on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Let me just complete reading that book. My brethren, if any one of you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now we're just reading the story by Elijah here. Beginning, taking from verse 16 it said the I want, let me just read that from the Amplified Bible quickly. That verse 16 I like the way the Amplified says it. It said um, let me just read that line. The earnest heartfelt Continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. That is, it is dynamic in his working. Now, we are looking at this last time, that he it said is a prayer of a righteous man. Now, I didn't say Elijah was perfect. I, I began to say that last time. That He said Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. What was he saying? He too had his own problems. There is nothing Elijah accomplished that we cannot accomplish today. It was somebody like we are today. That's what um, James was explaining to us. But what was it that made God refer to him as a righteous man? I said last time that righteousness has always been by faith. It has always been by faith. Righteousness has always been by faith. It's not just now. It's not a new revelation. Habakkuk preached that. It was from him that Paul quoted it. Paul gave the example in the life of um, Abraham that these men attained righteousness by faith. That is, when God called Elijah a righteous man, therefore, he was talking about his faith. And I said last time that faith is not just that I agree. Let's bear this in mind. In fact, my message for today is titled, A Man of Constant Faith. That's my message for today. A man of constant faith. Last time I sp- spent the time talking about the passion that's in the heart of these people, I referred to a man like Samuel. That Samuel, if you go going to read that one from 1 Samuel chapter 15, the day God told him that I feel sad. He said, I, I, let's just read that one, 1 Samuel chapter 15. We didn't read it last time, I just quoted it. Let's just quickly read it. Remember what we're trying to do is to make ourselves people that can pray effectively. Intercessory prayer, now, let me just emphasize, so that we can lift a nation like ours up in prayer, and the Lord will listen. We can lift something up in prayer beyond ourselves, and the Lord will listen. That's what we are talking about. Our emphasis is on the ability to intercede. We can lift the church up in prayer, and the Lord will listen. We can lift the plan of God up on the earth, and the Lord will listen. Alright? right. Now let's look at um, verse 11. Uh, my Amplified is already open. First Samuel chapter 15. So I'll just um, read from the Amplified because it's open before me. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret making Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commands. And Samuel was grieved. And angry with Saul. Now notice that Samuel was grieved and angry with Saul, and he cried to the Lord all night. When Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he was told Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set up for himself a monument or trophy of his victory. And passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul and all of that. I don't want to read beyond that. What I just want to bring out is that. All that God told Samuel was that, I feel bad that I made Saul king. He didn't tell Samuel to do anything. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He just told him, I feel bad. And that was it. Samuel became distressed. Samuel became sad. Samuel could not sleep. Why? Because the Lord felt bad. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. There are things you read in the Bible. And you know God has feelings. Let me just explain that. There are things the Lord will look and he'll say he hates. For example, he hates prophets that always prophesy that a woman, that a mother is a witch to the sons. He hates them. He said it, I'm not the one. Say so he that separates brethren. God hates such people. God hates injustice. God hates unjust weights. When you are dealing with somebody on this side, you use some values. You don't, like, you don't have that set of values. That's unjust weight. Of course, when they said it literally, it meant that unjust weights uh, are, you have a filling station, you sell somebody 10 liters, all you deliver is actually 8.5. That's an unjust weight. God will close your business one day, no matter the amount of offerings you give. Why? God hates your filling station. No, it's the Bible. Do you understand my point? There are things that God loves. For example, you hear, God loves a cheerful giver. Is it not that like that? He said, God loves a cheerful giver. You read through scriptures, there are things that you see. God has feelings about many things. And Samuel, we explained, what, what was special about people like Samuel was that they united themselves with God's emotions. So that if God hated something, they hated it. If God loved something, they loved it. When God felt bad, they felt bad. When God rejoiced, they rejoiced. If you see, Samuel, why are you feeling so happy? I spoke to the Lord this morning, and he said he was pleased with the sacrifices of Israel, and Samuel will be excited the whole day. Now, yes, we taught them how to sacrifice, and they offered the sacrifices the way they've been taught. You know, there are things that make God happy. He says, sweet-smelling, you no know, savor. Now, listening to a, a, a preacher today, you know, a camp meeting, Ken Higgins camp meeting, and he got to a point, a spiritual manifestation. He said, can you smell that? He said, it's so sweet. Can you smell it? Nobody else could smell it. He said, they said there was a sweet aroma that filled the place. He could smell it. And when they gave the interpretation that God was pleased with something, and that's why the place was filled with a sweet smelling. Are you getting my point? There was a smell in the air that he perceived. It wasn't somebody's perfume, nothing. The smell was just in the air. It was a sign of God's pleasure. God is happy about some things. I like the way he said it, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, okay, I'm about to digress now. Once you start looking at him like that, I say, He has come again. I will come again. <laughs> After you also came again to hear this place. I, I will co- keep on coming again. What we create a lot of times, we preachers, we create givers that God does not love. They are not cheerful givers. They are cheerful investors. They are people that give with something tied to it. They give a sacrifice. They put a rope. And not a normal rope or jute bag rope. That one, when the prophet, when the priest puts on the altar, that one burns, so they use chain. So they say, priest, they offer, they go. If, I, if nothing comes, I put my offering back. Wait. Even if you have set it on fire, it's chain I used to give it to you. Everything they give has something attached to it. They're not cheerful givers. God is not excited about them. God doesn't bless them specially. Take my word for it. He doesn't. Why? They're not cheerful givers. How do you know somebody is a cheerful giver? Or how do you know he's not a cheerful giver? He's waiting for the giving to bring something. He has not let go. He hasn't let go. I gave you an offering that shook me last week. So I know that God is going to shake heaven. He has not given. He has invested. And like I hear pastors say sometimes, when you give this money, if God does not bless you in three months, come and ask me. That's not a cheerful giver. If you can come and ask, he did not give. The pastor that's promising that is manipulating you. I'm sorry to say it. Anybody tells that, give this offering. And if in three weeks, God doesn't do something special in your life, come and collect your money back from him. Tell him, say, pastor, I don't trust you. You will ask me for the receipt. <laughs> How can an honest person say that in the open? doesn't make any sense. You are in the open. 2,000 people are listening to you. And you say they should come and collect their money back if God doesn't bless them in three months. You are being dishonest. What to do? We are creating givers that God does not love. And when you say that God has emotions about things, read scriptures, and anything he does not like, don't like it. Forget how you feel. For example, in the world of today, every time I open BBC News, one thing they keep on reporting, how Australia has conducted the first what is what, what homosexual marriage. I don't use the word gay. Just start watching my words. I hardly use the word gay. If you hear from my mouth, it dropped there by accident. I call things the way they are. Original English word gay meant you we were happy. Originally, gay in English meant happy. Everybody is rejoicing. That's what it means. So I, that's why I stick. Let's, give, let's call it the correct terminology. The original English word is homosexual, all right? So they say, okay, homosexual marriage is being submitted. No, they, you know what they, they don't call it homosexual marriage? You know what they call it? The law. Marriage equality. They make it look like it's a good thing. You don't notice that. They don't call it legalizing same-sex marriage. They call it marriage equality. And what will try to tell you is that, listen... Nobody. They are not hurting anybody. They didn't marry you. They left you to marry your own wife and marry your own husband. They want to marry themselves. What's your problem? You are a bigot. You are intolerant. That's how they do it. They give you a name. Give a dog a bad name. Why? You want to hang it. So you turn to the Christians. They say the Christians are intolerant. They are bigots. They are narrow-minded. They are backward. By the time they finish describing you to your son, your son won't recognize his father again. Because his father is a bigot, he's narrow-minded, he's a homophobe. He's homophobic. I like the way this man said it one day, and I I was pleased with him. He was under a lot of pressure, but he stood up eventually, and he spoke openly. I watched it live. Then, he was being interviewed by Piers Morgan. He said, what do you have to say about this homosexual stuff? He said, I don't know, I really don't know. (laughs) But if God says it's wrong, it must be wrong. That was your losting. I said, sir, that is how to answer questions. Don't get into arguments. Don't try and make sense. Listen, I was talking to Pastor Delvan the other time he was in town. He, t- he gave me the name of one particular movie that's been shown now in the UK about untold stories of people that Jesus delivered from that evil spirit. So they made a movie out of it, like a documentary, and they're showing it all over the UK now. And everywhere they want to show it, they'll go and picket the the cinema. Protests will start but God gave those people breakthrough. They got the right to show it everywhere. What they tell you a lot of times is false. Most people that come out and say they are homosexuals, men at least, they were raped in a homosexual fashion when they were children. The demon was introduced to them then. But these guys don't acknowledge the fact. They twist. Anyway, but the point is this. There's no need to argue. Joel said, is it good or bad? Well, I, you know, you called me a pastor. I'm adding my own words now. So I have to... I'm an ambassador of God, of Christ. His opinions are my opinion. What he feels is how I feel. He say it is bad. It is bad. But science, wait, I'm not planning to shed out fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with you. Listen to this. Even if I have homosexual feelings, I will still tell my feelings, you guys are bad feelings. Why? I'm learning God's reaction to things. I train myself. Most of what we do in life is to train ourselves. I've told you this story a number of times. I see men sit down to drink beer. And I used to wonder why. Because I've tasted it a number of times and I can't understand the taste. It's foul. I know you don't agree with me. Let me see what I want to say. I think beer has a foul taste. The best is that it is tasteless. I can't understand how people drink it. So, I made up my mind that maybe I'm too young. So I left it. And years later, I tried again. It had become fouler <laughs> So one day I asked somebody in my office, he drinks. I mean, often no, not a, not a heavy drinker, but he drinks. You know, the boys sit down, they hang out, and they two two bottles, you not know, that kind of thing, two two bottles. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I asked him, "What is it in this beer you people drink?" And he gave me an answer which solved it for me permanently. He says, it tastes you learn." He says, "Sir, you didn't learn it when you were young. It's too late." I said, thank you. At least now you have explained it to me. Which is the reason when you eat white man's food, you can't understand what is in Jibibuwa eating. <laughs> they don't sell paper in your country. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, don't you see him? One day we went to Ghana. My wife and I went. My wife will remember. We stopped, you know, when we went for a conference. So, there was a time we stopped at one nice beach you know, restaurant to eat. And everybody dived in, sat down. And I remember one guy that was like our, like one of the guides that was helping us out. He, he sat on my table. When he ordered, what did they call that thing? Maybe, can't remember. Anyway, the stew, the soup to eat something like a was raw tomato and pepper and onions blended, raw. Point, d- 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 you don't get my point. They didn't cook it at all. <laughs> it was not cooked at all. It was blended. I don't know whether it was salted or spiced. Then poured into a small, you know, dish. A small bowl for you. Then they give you either pounded yam or pounded something. And then, Jesus is Lord. Now, it's not the food as the issue. I remember that guy's face. The joy with which he went after it. He was very happy eating it. Look at the way this man of God is squeezing his face. Just thinking about it. What does that tell you? You learn it. So if you give that guy all these arguments of whether Ghana Jollof rice or Nigerian Jollof rice is sweet, the guy that has no, look, just give him his raw tomato pepper with onion. Blend it well. The smoother, the better. And he's an African like me. Why does he enjoy it? It's simple. He learned it. He lent it. He lent it. Last time I went to do program in um, Makodi, I almost fought in the hotel. I asked the girl when well, we ordered pounded yam. I said, is he too, is it big? He said it's not too big. I said, ah, you mean okay, I wanted to eat plenty. I said, it's not so big. You know, he says it's not too big. That is okay. I said, are you sure it's not small? I said, no, it's not small. That is not for one person. When the girl came, with the the yam. What I want to tell is not a joke. I had to check which was bigger. The pandayama on my head. <laughs> if you saw the size. I said to the girl. Okay if he wants to be big. What will he be? <laughs> if you said this one is not big. Jesus is not. Lo- I'm not joking. Half of it. Was add, in fact, when I was saying, Is it big? It was half. I was hoping it would be the size. If you had brought me half of that, I would have nodded my head like, yeah, this is good size, but that's not the gist. The gist is that she now gave me soup. <laughs> <laughs> the soup was, <laughs> I looked at the girl like, Is this supposed to be a joke? <laughs> And then the girl may go bring extra soup. Come on. She looks unhappy. Uh-uh. After I was so, bring extra soup now. She, she go, anyway, make a long session. We call manager. He said, there's no extra soup. So little, I don't call square finish. Israel don't intervene. <laughs> Finally, next day, we now realize that yee. there's no need to fight. That's how they eat it. He said, if we forgot, he would have told him that ah, they can eat it there without soup at all. Yes, yes. that just giving the pandayam and meat. Yes. Yes. That the stew, do you know the stew and soup on the body of the meat? is enough for him to finish that bucket of pandayam. <laughs> now, I'm saying a of this to see that all the things we enjoy or don't enjoy, we learn them. Yes. We learn them. All this talk I've been talking all this talk, they just emphasize one thing. We learn things. We learn things. We learn what we approve. That's why that prayer from Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul explained that, that you may learn to approve the things that are excellent. Who well, are the people that God loves? They are the people that have learned to approve what he approves. I like one thing. Ah, I think it was Oswald Chambers. Or one of these Oswalds, Oswald, You know, there are three Oswalds in my life. Yes, Jay Smith. Sanders, and Chambers. One of them said, look, it's Charles Finney. Not one of the Oswalds. Charles Finney said, feeling follows thought. That's what you think about your feelings react to. That is how you think that your body reacts. If you learn that something is bad, after a while, your body starts feeling like it is bad. That's it. Why am I saying all of these things? I'm going to emphasize to us that you want to please God you want to be a man like Samuel. What you do is start learning how God feels about something. You get the point. You start feeling like that. You deliberately... If, some, if God says something is bad, you just say it is bad. You just keep on telling you that thing is bad, though. It's very bad. If God says something is good, like I give you an example, God loves a cheerful giver. Then, after a while... Okay, give another good example. Jesus said, a man's life does not consist... In the abundance of things which he possesses. You are a young woman. Learn it. You are a single young woman. Learn it. You learn it so that it will be so... That at the point that you are so converted to it that a man will drive a very sharp brand new Mercedes-Benz to come and visit you and one guy will come with an, a keke and drop and they will drop at the same time and you will not notice the difference. You are not pretending no. It's not, see, I'm a spiritual babe. I don't get time for a change like this. No. You're not pretending. You just say, ah, Angela, how now? I say, fine, let me give you a ride. I say, ah, i have church service by five. And the other guy said, my keke is going your direction. You jump inside. And you're not marrying keke guy. You're not marrying Ben's guy to, to you. Nothing. Someone would have to tell you later. I say, ah, man, that guy is dishy. I say, what's dishy about him? Didn't you see his ride? What? Okay, that guy. Okay, fine ride, fine ride, fine ride. Ah, uh-uh. ah. And he's interested in you. You're doing like you're not interested. I have not heard him talk. All he has to do, no wonder he's always driving around my compound. <laughs> that's the only thing he has to show up. In fact, by the time he finishes down, he just say, the guy is empty. If to say, look, come open your mouth, let's see the substance that's inside your soul. Not using your car. Jesus said your car, your life does not consist in the abundance of motor cars that you possess. Forget my bad English, but you know, you get my point. <laughs> Just trying to give you what Jesus said like that. After a while, you feel like that. Listen to me. I'm telling you the kind of people that God loves. They are the ones that kneel down to pray. And God personally stands in front of the prayer closet. So let's hear what you are saying. That's what we're talking about Samuel. You know, we talked to it last time about Samuel. Samuel is like that. He learned what, that is when God said, I feel bad. Oh, that's it. Samuel could not sleep again. How can I be sleeping when God is feeling bad? God didn't send him to Saul. God just came to him and said, I feel bad. That's why we read the other verses. He got up next morning and started hunting Saul. How dare you make my Lord feel bad? What is wrong with you, Saul? He got there and said, Where is Saul? said, Saul just finished creating. No, Saul was from Emo State. He built a statue for himself. <laughs> then from there. <laughs> why are you people laughing? Is <laughs> it not in your Bible? Ah, verse 12 when someone rose early to meet Saul in the morning he was told Saul came to camel and behold he has set up for himself a monument <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good Lord is right. now <laughs> remember, just a joke <laughs> now the point I'm making is this uh, someone kept looking for Saul. A haunted soul until he caught up with him, and picked a quarrel immediately. He didn't. God didn't tell him to do any of the things he did. He was just angry. For example, the Lord hates injustice. Injustice should make you angry. When you see a prophet that's always prophesying, your father does not want you to succeed. You should be angry. When he brings out his hand, you refuse to shake him. Say why? I said I don't want God to mistakenly destroy me with you. The man will be doing opening of his cathedral. They invite you, say, I'm not going. Why? You want it to collapse on my head? So I'm not going. Do you know there are people that God expects to treat like I've said? Because if they are unbelievers, don't treat them like that. He said, but when they are Christians, please give them space. We're talking about the prayer warrior. I'm not to emphasize some things to us. You know, I said I wanted to talk about Constant faith today. I just, I'm, I'm still, I'm stuck on this Samuel thing. I Just want to emphasize something, right? To bear something in mind, it's possible to love what God loves, to see life the way God sees it. For example, let's take this one as an example. You know what we've been talking about? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Therefore, you are not allowed to make decisions for the abundance of things you are going to possess. And you can't just change a job because someone is paying better. You have to explain to God. What it is that's making you move from here to the other place. And Jesus said, beware of covetousness. You know what covetousness means? If I tell you this, you'll be surprised. Covetousness is very subtle. It just means to want to have more than you have right now. That's all. It doesn't mean, people think that those who are flying private jet, they are covetous. Meanwhile, you have not been able to be happy with your single pair of shoes. You know what God says to you? You are covetous. All your friends have six pairs, seven pairs, twenty pairs. You have one pair. And you come out in the morning and say, Lord, this is the only pair of shoes I have. How can? God says you are covetous. So you it is very reasonable, though. Ah, God, I'm a woman. I can have only one black pair of shoes. You want the second one? And you're not happy with the only one you have? Next time you want to say, God, punish all those covetous men of God that are flying private jets. Next thing, boom, your legs won't work again. And you won't know why. Because you don't realize... No, listen. If you know what God calls covetousness, you wake up every day, you'll be giving thanks. You know God gave people manna. You know what they call manna? Okay, maybe you don't know what manna is. I'll tell you what manna is. Manna is food. The same, you eat the same food in the morning and evening. First week, it isn't a joke. Second week... You thought it was a joke. Third week. Now I go ask Moses. Moses, I wake. shop right there here. <laughs> <laughs> Moses said, what? He said, I have money. I'm not asking for money. Just show me the shop. Why? This man, I'm tired. No when you read it now. i like, don't mind them. They were not grateful. Oh boy, let me supply bread to you morning and evening. Morning and evening for two weeks. And guess what? For complaining, God said they were murmuring. For complaining, the Lord said they were murmuring. The Lord expected them to be grateful. You have only one pair of shoes, the Lord said, Bring it out. Shine it. Do you understand my point? And thank the Lord. That's what God expects. That's what God expects. I don't want to hear this, the only shoe I have, because I don't want to hear it rejoice in that only pair of shoes. Am I talking about prayer? Remember, we are talking about the prayer warrior. There is a person praying that we are talking about. You have to be somebody that God delights in hearing his voice. Somebody that God delights in hearing her voice. That's what we are talking about. That's the kind of person that Samuel was. That is what faith is. Faith is not the ability to quote scriptures. Faith is to be totally satisfied in God. That only in the Lord do you derive your satisfaction. That was what Samuel was like. Like I said, it doesn't mean Elijah was perfect. The Bible says he was a man of like passion. He was somebody like us. But where was his heart? That's what we're talking about. It was like that of Samuel. He created his standards by the standards that God had in emotional reaction to things. So sometimes I want to make decisions. That's what I was going to say. We are careful. To make our decisions in such a manner that God is pleased. Where I'm going is this constant faith in. That's what I said I want to talk about today, alright? Elijah, he said the prayer of faith, James said, will save the sick. I explained to us before, those days as young Christians on campus were taught that a prayer of faith is a prayer you pray once and you don't repeat. And it was distinguished from the prayer of agreement. It was distinguished from the prayer of intercession, supplication. Distinguished from thanksgiving. It was distinguished from all kinds of prayers. When I grew up as a Christian, I said, ah, it can't be like that. Elijah that prayed that prayer, did he pray once? How many times did he pray? Seven times. So it can't be our definition of a prayer of faith. When Elijah prayed that prayer... When James said it's a prayer of faith, what he was distinguishing it from was a prayer of unbelief. I'm going to talk about that briefly. It was talking about the, it was distinguishing it from the prayer of being double minded. It was distinguishing it from all kinds of prayers. Like I said, there are prayers of envy. There are prayers of anger. There are prayers in which you are happy until, I mean, you are broke, your friend is broke. Your brother is broke, your neighbor is broke, everybody is broke. Then you got home. Where is other suppressant? He doesn't live here anymore. Why? He has parked away from all of you, rented one room each. He has moved to a three-bedroom flat in New Heaven <coughs> where water flows. And power is constant. It's not the flow of water that's your issue or the constant power. It's a man that left a single room in phase six. The end, not normal physics. The end of physics. The boundary between the developed Enugu and non-developed <laughs> Enugu. <laughs> One room, and it just shh, across. That's what they call. That's the definition of hammer. Is that not the definition of hammer? Yes. So like, ah, so this boy again. This guy may not even tell person. He don't go. You know, you travel for like a month. You came back. He had packed. Then you go again for another three weeks. You come back then somebody blocked you the only entrance people had to the house and as soon as you open the gate you know I saw a joke recently they showed a the guy in a tower with soap all over his body at the door of his house they said your reaction when you just bought your first Corolla at any noise outside <laughs> You pack your first Corolla. I said, you did Ah, come on. <laughs> I've come to check. <laughs> as the guy comes out with his towel and soap on his body, he says, ah, when are you? He ah, said, why are you outside with your soap? <laughs> and I said, "When am I? Corolla with that? Ah. Your first guy come on. <laughs> you move. This one bought Corolla packed. Then suddenly you go to pray. God, why have you not remembered me? That is a prayer of unbelief. That's not a prayer of faith. That's a prayer of envy. That's a prayer of comparing yourself with one another. It is not a prayer of faith. The prayer stimulated by what your friends have done is not a prayer of faith. That's what I'm being dramatic about. It's not a prayer of faith. And that's what James was talking about. He was talking about as a prayer of agreement. As far as James was concerned, if it's a prayer of agreement, it must be a prayer of faith. If it's a prayer of intercession, it must be a prayer of faith. The one that Elijah prayed was to bring rain back to a land that he poured judgment upon. And he prayed seven times. He stayed there until the servant said, I see a small cloud, like the hand, just like the size of a hand. And Elijah said, oh, move, move, move. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He prayed that prayer seven times. It's not the fact that he said it once that makes the prayer of his. It. It's the institution that thing from the prayer of, you know, the other prayers. God... Give me money so that they will know that you are the one that called me to ministry. Because I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. That's a prayer of unbelief. You are getting my point here. These are all prayers of unbelief. James said it has to be what? A prayer of faith. And that's what I'm talking about briefly. That you see, the person that God listens to is a man, the woman, who prays only prayers of faith. That's one Number two, and praise the prayer of faith constantly. I need to emphasize that. We know the story in Mark chapter 11. We talked about it then under uh, total faith or the pursuit and use of faith. One of those series. In Mark chapter 11, we know that Jesus cursed the tree. And then um, Peter noticed the tree. And he passed a comment, Lord, see the tree that you cursed is dead. And Jesus now says something. Have what? faith in God. If you read most translations it says it simply, have faith in God. But literally, the Greek said now, the Greek doesn't sound good in English okay, that's why it was translated have faith in God. Literal Greek says, have faith of God. That's literal Greek, so it doesn't come well in English. So you have different translations. Now, what's, I think if you have a amplified, it says have faith in God constantly. Now, that's one thing I want us to understand. He said, have faith in God. How? Constantly. Elijah was not double-minded. I need to talk about that now. Because James says something. Let's quickly look at that in James. In James chapter 1. There's something that James said, which is what I'm contrasting with the faith, with the prayer of faith. Now it says in verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. But he must ask how? In faith. Without any doubting. Now faith is the opposite of doubt but both of them can occur together. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought to not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Please notice this. James is teaching us something here, exactly what Jesus taught us. And that is the fact that if we want to receive from God, if we want God to pay attention to us, we must be people that have faith in God constantly. Please, I need to emphasize that. Why will God pay attention to you it is that you have faith in God constantly. Why did God respect, we've explained that respect now, Joshua and Caleb? It was because they said we followed God fully. That is, this is the kind of prayer that does not work. The kind of prayer that is prayed with faith that is in the shelf. And is all only removed of the shelf when it is needed. I don't know whether you get my point. That is, when I'm in the office, I'm arguing about life. I'm plotting, I'm discussing with my friends about the future of our children, of the nation, of the economy, of our company, of our progress in life. We are discussing all of those things. My faith is in the shelf. It's at home. I am not using it. Then when I rise up in the morning, time to pray. I go to the shelf, bring out the faith. I start quoting scriptures. That today it shall be well as it is written. Are you getting my point here? Then what is written is what I need now because I need something from God. I feel like, you know, I'm going out. I can't protect myself. Dangerous times out there. What about when my children are crossing the road? What about when I'm driving? A drunken driver. You know, I can't control these things, so I pray. But when I get to my office, I want to discuss my life. I want to plot my destiny. I want to plot all of these things. I don't remember anything that the Lord said. Now listen, this is how you know that that's how your life is. Listen to me. Don't feel bad. Just repent in case you fall into this category. If your opinion of headsman crisis in Nigeria of today or any other crisis in any country is exactly the same as that of the guy who works at the beer parlor, you have a problem. You know what I mean by guy who works at the beer parlor now. He doesn't go to church like you. He's just a common you no know, knowledge that everybody has. If you and him have the same opinion, you don't have constant faith. If you and him share exactly the same attitude towards getting the, getting the visa and where you will locate, now I'm not saying whether your attitude is good or bad. Now I'm saying if you have the same, you don't have faith. If you hold the same opinion concerning the destiny of your children as the average unbeliever in your office. Listen to me, you don't have faith. What about to say is going to make you laugh if you have the same attitude towards medical checkup as everybody else in your office? You have no faith if you have a headache, and the same way the Muslim next door, and the Hindu on the other side, and the Buddhist behind are you getting my point? If all of you have the, I mean, you share the same response to the headache in your head as all these people have measured, uh, have mentioned, you don't have faith. Just take listen. What I've told you, I'm not debating it. Don't ask me what do you mean. What I mean is exactly what I have said. Let me tell you one of the ways you know you have faith. In our country of today, if you're always disagreeing with everybody around you, I suspect you have faith. Suspect is what I said. Some people are just compulsive dissenters. I'm not talking about those ones. I'm talking about people who the reason why you disagree is that the word of God has formed something in you is different from what other people know. And based upon that word, you have a different opinion than you have faith. If you are like that, the first set I described, your faith is in a shelf. You only take it when you need it in the morning. Then when you get to the office, uh, let me tell you more to scare you. So you can repent. Like I said, don't worry, you won't die. Somebody say amen. amen. It's repentance we are preaching for. All, that's all. My aim is what? Amen. Repentance. That's all. Be reconciled to God. Jesus said, I'm at the door of your heart. knocking. Open. I want to come in. That's all I'm preaching. That's all I'm preaching. Listen to this. If you... Now what, what I'm about to say, hold your chair so you don't fall down. Especially if if you are not earning a salary, you don't relax. You'll be feeling self-righteous. If salary is delayed for one month, and you react exactly like everybody else in your office, you don't have faith. Your faith is in the shelf. <laughs> you ain't got faith at all. Yeah, that's why you came this evening, so you can repent. Actually, what's happening is that the faith you have has been overcrowded by unbelief. That the people around you poured, you open your heart wide and they poured unbelief into it by too much conversation. That was why David said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. He knows that where they stand and where they hang out affects how they react to things. And that thing takes away faith from them. That's why he said, look, listen, where are you walking? That is, in the way, of, who showed you know to walk in the way of sinner? They say, how do you do this? Ah, it is not hard. You will convert, you know, remove two years from your age, add it to your height, and then... <laughs> <laughs> do you get <guess> my point? <laughs> that when you are walking the way that the unbeliever directed to you, that's what they call the way of sinners. Are you getting my point here? That's why David emphasized that. Listen, faith, we're talking about not being double-minded. Do you know what happened to um, um, Elijah? Why God called him a righteous man? It was simply because he doggedly, single-heartedly served God when everybody else was serving Baal. Do you get what I'm going to explain here? That is, only God was his fear. When people served other gods, he served only the God of Israel. That's what God was calling double, what they call it. Righteous man there. That what is double minded. You know, He came to them. Choose you this day who you will serve. But I don't know what He told them. Good. For us believers, you know, I said something here before. When you're talking about commandments, Israel had how many commandments? 613. Good. 613. And somebody will say, how can one person keep all of that? Which is true. It's very hard to keep. But let me tell you the truth. Christians have more than 6,000 commandments. The only difference is that is as you grow up, that God reveals your next set of commandments to you. That's the thing about Christianity. That is, the commandments I have may not be as many for now as the one you have. Why? It's as you grow. To whom much is given? Who much is expected? Like I said the la- la- last Saturday that I preached, and not this one, 2,000 days ago, I said there are things I can't do. For me, it constitutes iniquity. At least up to first degree. For me, today, eh? First degree. There's a sin for me to send any one of my children to go to school abroad. It's a sin. It is a sin for me, for my wife to be pregnant, and say, go and deliver. I buy her a ticket to go to America. For me, it is iniquity. For you, it is not. Maybe. But for this guy, for this guy preaching, God says, the soul that sinneth he shall die, if you do any of those things. Do you know it's not in the Bible like that? But for me, it's a commandment. If you're not here, I discussed that two Saturdays ago. For most people, maybe it's not a sin. It's what David called testimonies. Personalized commandments. You see what I'm talking about in a moment, why I went there. He said, choose it this day, who you will serve. Do you know what we do a lot of times as Christians? We serve God with praises, Direct praise. Are you getting my point? That is, let us worship God. Oh Lord, you are the most high God. They will now settle that. Let's plot our destiny. We we'll plot it exactly the way the unbeliever plots his own. It is this choose you this day who is God in your life. Is it the country you live in or the God you believe? I don't know whether you are getting what I'm going to say here. Listen, we need to get this thing straight. When we're talking about praying, it is not that you forwarded a million a prayer to a million people. You can't gang up on God. Say, Lord, we are one million praying on this matter. God said, I'm not counting the absolute number. Amongst the one million, let me see the people that are of constant faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point. God said, let me see those who are of, constant." listen to me, constant faith. I said something here before when we're talking about faith. One thing about faith is that you know you cannot you look you have to follow God fully. A man came to Jesus and said sell all you that you have you know he said oh, how can I get eternal life? What did Jesus tell him? Sell all you have and give to the poor. Let me give an example now. Listen. Talking about following God fully. You no know, we said I just want to get if I get back to this. We read it just now at the beginning that God said bless and bless and so when you follow one million, when you forward one million prayers that has not yet blessed Fulani headsmen, do you think God is listening? Do you no? Let me ask you, how many prayers have they forwarded around? That said, Lord, our head of state must not die a Muslim. We pray for him in the name of Jesus. We'll even put tongues in the prayer. Jesus, visit us a rock. No. Most prayers like, God, he will die before 2019, so he cannot run again. <laughs> Am I lying? Trust. Let's tell ourselves the truth now. I'm telling us, listen, most people, most prayers we pray, the Lord is not paying attention. It is sad. It is sad. Many times we we'll go to church, it's crossover at night. One million people will gather in redemption camp. How many gather on 2031st? I don't know. They gather in all churches nationwide. And the angels go to watch soccer. Why? Say they are not praying. This year, anybody that says you will not succeed, you will die. Everybody will shout "Word, Amen. And the angels will be picking their teeth say, Rooney don't score. I mean, what is his name? <laughs> is? <laughs> it's the angels who are praying, are watching soccer. I say, if we tell God this one, all of you are in trouble. So just leave that thing. Just be playing there. Say, so look, guys are playing your game. These guys are playing their game. We find their own game more interesting than your own. It's a game. That's, look, listen. If you want to, if you don't want to be a Christian, don't be a Christian. Have they stoned you? You didn't, you didn't do anything, no. All you are trying to do is testify that Jesus is Lord. Then you now open your eyes and say that you see heaven. Now boys close their ears. That what you're uttering is blasphemy. They carry stone and they are stoning you to death. And they quickly remember to pray. Lord, you know, they don't know what they are doing. Please don't hold this sin against them. Have you been able to pray that? I'm talking about having faith constantly. We shelve our faith when we want to react to things. Anger takes us over. The anger of man which, listen, don't forget this. When Israel was reacting in a manner that was displeasing to the Lord, don't forget, they had reasons. They had reasons. One day when my little boy, Victory was still very little. He could talk that time. He came to me one night and said, Daddy, I want baby TV. My TV used to have one channel called Baby TV. I don't know how many of you know the channel. And that night, my TV had expired. So he came to watch TV. Put on the baby, there was no baby TV, so he came to me and said, "I want baby TV." Do you know tears came to my eyes that I could not provide baby TV for a three-year-old or something? I know what they show on baby TV—nothing, just small, just baby things: A flying up and dropping, B flying up and dropping, and one song in the background. Then butterfly will cross the screen. What is in it? nothing. But my son wanted baby TV, and I could not bring him baby TV. Do you know, till now when I remember, I don't know why, the thing almost makes me cry. And it's just baby TV. What if it was food? I don't know whether you're getting my point. He said, the children are hungry. There's no one to break bread for them. So the children come and say, we are thirsty, Daddy. And Daddy looks and looks at Moses. Can't you see my children are thirsty? I Listen, I just told you how I reacted to television. I wanted a channel. There were other things to watch. Yet I was distressed that I could not provide baby TV. Now what if it was food he wanted? How do you think I would have reacted? What if it was water he wanted? What if there were five of them and their mother? They all wanted food and water. You think you will not tear Moses apart? Moses said he delivered you from slavery. Slave master gave you food and water. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. Now, this is the point I'm making. Yet, God was not kind in responding to how they reacted. He wasn't kind. He was going to destroy them. So I want to say that when you open your mouth and disobey God because you have reasons, read your Bible. Those who had reasons and disobeyed him before, Check how he treated them. And let nobody lie to you that Jesus is not a lion. That the elder that said, behold the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that I didn't know what he was saying. That the fact that you are in in visions and revelation does not mean that you can see straight to. That Jesus is a lamb. He's not a lion. So I asked the person who sent it to me. I said, what was the man of God trying to prove like, okay, I agree with you in quote His that it's, now, it's a lamb, it's not a lion. So what have you proven to me now? you been to me that no, that the man is trying to explain that Jesus never punishes sin. I say, eh, that's grace. Yeah, don't worry. I will pray for you because I know Jesus is coming to get you very soon. When he comes, you call him the devil. doesn't matter. Dead meat is dead meat. Whether it is the devil that killed him or Jesus that fried him. Don't believe that doctrine is not the will of God. Jesus punishes sin. He gets angry. Let's get it clear. He gets angry. And when he gets angry, 200,000 people die in one day in Banda It was not the devil that caused the tsunami that killed people that time in Banda Indonesia. It wasn't the devil. It was Jesus that was angry. Jesus was just vexed. The provocation was too much. So he split. Oh God, oh that you will rent the mountains. That's what the Bible says. So he split the underground mountain in the ocean. Water caved in. When the water reacted, 200,000 died the one day. It was Jesus. I told you, the Jesus that smiled was crucified. Was he I preached the message? Where did I preach it? Where did I preach that message? I've also okay came with it. When I said that the Jesus that smiles has been crucified, the one that rose from the dead, John saw him and fell down and died. <laughs> the one that rose from the dead when Jesus saw him, he died Jesus had to say, hey wake up my guy don't die yet he said, I fell at his feet as one dead this is the same person who used to lie in his bosom the Jesus arose again from the dead You know the joke he doesn't joke, the mountains melt like wax at his coming he kills people he does, he told that woman Jezebel I will strike her children dead I, she herself, I was cast on the bed of affliction. It was, it was not Satan that was talking. It was Jesus. What I'm going to say, let's fear him. Many of the reasons you have from grumbling, the Israelites too had it. Yet when they grumbled, he was not happy about it. I hope you are getting my point here. I'm talking about constant faith. Constant faith. Listen, it's people. Let me end my message. It's the people of constant faith that can pray for a nation and God will listen. They believe him every time. They don't shelve their faith and pick it up only when they think they need it. When he says, pray for your enemies, even though they're angry with the enemies, they still kneel down and say, enemy, I am angry with you. But Jesus said, I should pray for you. When they want to curse their enemies, they will look and say, ah, what are, why are you my enemy? You denied me promotion in the office. I didn't do anything to you. I came to work regularly. I performed well. Yet, you are persecuting me. And Jesus looked and said through Paul, don't curse those people. So I will not curse you. I will kneel down and say to you, may you repent, may you not die in your sins. I will leave you like that. It doesn't mean God will not punish you, but I will not ask him to. He said vengeance is mine. I will avenge. What does that mean? I know when I will avenge. I know if I need to avenge. Are you getting my point? In Paul's case, I did not need to avenge. Because God knows some people do things in ignorance and if they do it in ignorance, God keeps them giving the opportunity to change. That's about how he behaves. So he doesn't want you to be the judge. Just leave them. What am I going to say? That's Christianity. It's not always easy, but that's what Christianity is. The people that can pray, the Daniels that will pray, are people that are committed to God every time, despite how they feel. They are the ones, listen to me, let me just add, add this one to it and I close. Faith does not mean I always get what I want. Let's get that clear. Those elementary faith, I learned to those this too. I thought that it meant that once I command this, it comes to me. That's not what faith means. Faith does not mean I always get what I want. Faith means I'm so committed to God that if I die in the process of being committed to him, they will write on my gravestone, here lies a man who died committed to God. Faith means that I will stand here if I believe that's where God wants me to stand. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. If he delivers me in the time of trouble in that place, fine. If he does not deliver me, I will die with a smile on my face, knowing that even when my life was threatened, I did not live where he said I should be. The person told the story of a man that had a dog. said so that man paid money to have the dog's hip replaced. You know what they call hip replacement for a dog. And they're like, why would you spend that amount of money on a dog? And they told the story. He said, why how did the dog get injured? Why did the dog's hip get destroyed? That once, you know, when you train a dog well, that was a, what, they, what do they call this uh, English dog now? A sheep It's a sheep That was a sheep He said, he told the dog to stay. A, a well-trained dog would know, when you tell it, stay. You train dogs like that to obey you. Sit, you understand? Fetch, stay. They have little instructions like that. So that dog, he told the dog to stay. And he forgot to, he, he's a farmer. So his tractor was rolling. And the dog saw the tractor rolling. He didn't see it. So the dog wanted to get off from that place out of the way of the tractor. He saw the dog trying to move. He told the dog, stay. And the dog stayed till the tractor crushed his leg. I don't know whether you're getting my point. (laughs) So the man said, you understand the reaction? So when he heard his scream and he saw his tractor roll over the dog's leg, he now understood what the dog was trying to run in the first place, but despite the fact that his life was in danger, master said, "Stay." So the dog stayed while a tractor rolled over him. So the man said, "I will do anything for that dog." It was a lot of money. Hip replacement for an animal. He said, "No, I will do anything." For this dog. Paulson was trying to explain. That that was what happened to Jesus on the cross. The cross was not funny. But the father said stay. What is faith? Life doesn't have to be fun. But if the father says stay. So the tractor rose over him in the process. But the father said what? Stay. You are going to get injured. master said what? Stay. Listen to me, people of God. That's what faith is. That's, listen, it was out of... I reacted. I was angry. Partly, when I wrote the book, Don't Quit the Army. I saw Christians that couldn't stay. I asked myself also, Can I stay? Sometimes, look, Some things people complain about. You know, the Bible says associated with the lowly. All right. This is how I read it. When I see some things people complain about, I laugh. (laughs) And I say, if that's all God has asked of me. Ha. What is in it? Let me give you an example now. You know, people complain Nigeria. You know, Nigeria is a good country. Listen, forget all the noise. In Africa. In Africa of today. I am not aware of one country that is better to live in than this one. Mention one for me. Let me know. You want to go to Egypt? We may have our issues, though. Look, America has problems, too. One little boy went to the other day and shot 17 people in the secondary school. He's not an Islamic headsman, it's an American young man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, one, one middle-aged man climbed a building and shot. He killed 58. injured almost 200. Bam, he was exchanging guns. He had like 12 high-caliber weapons there. Shooting from the top of a building. He was on like 48th floor. Good enough, one security man had noticed the guy earlier. Otherwise, police would not have known where the shot was coming from. Wasn't had not led them to where he was. By the time he had killed himself and he was dead. Oh, yes. So there's, there's problem everywhere. You remember what I said? I was with the lowly. Eh? When people were complaining, I said, all God has asked me to do is to stay in this end of the and preach the gospel. And not run around looking for money or the destiny of my children. Is that hard? No. Check it. Is it hard? No, what big thing has he asked me to do? What is the big thing? Why if not for covetousness? Why would I leave Enugu to go and say, the, if you open a ministry in port Harcourt, the offering is big? Or you go to Abuja, they will buy you a car. I don't know whether you are getting my point. That's why I can't, I can't even complain. I feel like God has asked people to do more dangerous things. More dangerous things. He hasn't told me to get up and go. I don't want to I that day. I said, when you are going to Brunei, call me. I want to go. He said, Burundi is very poor. I said, let's go there. Let's go willingly before he sends us there for food. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Africa, forget this noise. African countries are very poor. That's why I want to go there. Go and preach to God because only the gospel of Jesus can liberate them. What am I saying? When the master says, stay, what's the big deal? We stay. When he says, stay. We stay. When he says stay, we stay. He hasn't asked for too many things. As I just told the story about our country we live in. We are so privileged, we are so fortunate. And I tell people in the South that you don't know what they call poverty. They say, our country's politics are not moving, I just laugh. I say, you haven't seen poverty. You not see it. You haven't seen poverty. This Nigeria, when they walk to the core north, you will see poverty, you wouldn't believe your eyes. The teachers' the complications of measles and all of that as a medical student, medical student. I never saw it until I went to serve in Tarava State. I saw children's eyes literally rupture from measles. Eyeball that you are seeing open, the content flowing out under my I was watching like this. I said, measles? Huh. Down south, before measles kills you, your grandfather has seen it. I saw it. So when God tells us to stay, we are complaining. Listen, those that God pays attention to, that's what I'm talking about. They are committed to their faith. They are able to take a beating. These are the kind of people that God pays attention to their prayers. To our feet. Let's close. Just for one minute, pray. Say, Lord, I am one that stays. It's a simple prayer. Say, Lord, give me the grace to stay. I declare that I am one that stays. It's a simple prayer. I say, Lord, I am one that stays. I am one that stays. Wherever you keep me there, I will stay. I will follow you with my whole heart all the time. Say, Lord, I will follow you with my whole heart every time. I'm one that stays. I'm one that stays. Say, Lord, I follow you with my whole heart. All the time. My faith is constant. I believe you in the morning. I walk with you in the afternoon. I cleave to you at night. I never depart from you, Lord. I'm one that stays. Say, Lord, thank you for staying grace. Say this evening, Lord. Again, I receive the grace to stay. Stay in grace is my portion in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, stay in grace. That is my portion. Say, Jesus, stay in grace. That is my portion. Stay in grace. That is my portion. Lord, the grace to stay. One more declaration. Say, Lord, I love what you love. Just declare it. Yes. What you hate, I hate. Your feeling is what I have towards everything. Grace to feel like you. Pour it into me tonight. Say this evening, Lord, the grace to feel like you. Pour it into me. The grace to feel the way you feel. Pour it into me, Lord. The grace to feel the way you feel. Lord, pour it into me. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, I receive it. Say, Lord, I receive it. Say, Lord, I receive it. Lord, I receive it. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Father, we enlist again as people working for you as your prayer warriors. Lord, we pray. Now, I want to pray this prayer for everybody. Can you just put out, put up one hand or two, anyone? Lord, pour your intercessory spirit into us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pour the spirit, the passion, the zeal, the foreknowledge of what you want to do, and the grace to ask you for it, who receive that spirit today in the name of Jesus Christ. The urge to pray, to ask you for what you want to do in the church, in the nation, on the earth. Lord, we enlist again as warriors for you in prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. But everything that stands as an obstruction between us and that assignment, we ask you to remove in Jesus' name. Amen. Reveal so we can confess the matter of our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Reveal, Lord, to us so we can confess those things out of our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Every hindrance, every stronghold, every wrong thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God that may be in our hearts. Search us, O Lord. You already know our hearts. Let us know those anxious thoughts so we can confess them out of our lives. We receive that grace in the name of Jesus Christ. That unction to download your will onto this earth. Oh, that will rise at night and will be asking, Lord, pour the, the revival into your church, into the land. Let Jesus be demonstrated again as Lord for all to see. That urge, that grace to ask for such, we receive it from you, Lord, today in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are warriors, Lord, in prayer. This earth, beginning from this country, we we'll be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the seas. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Those three blessings for another person, please. Of multiplication.